Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're recording another show from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Milwaukee. It's the fall of 2017, and across from me are two energetic Native Americans who are speaking about agricultural concerns in Indian country. I'm actually going to let them introduce themselves. First, to my right, you are? Uh, Maso Modi from Pueblo de Cochiti, New Mexico. And to my left? My name is Kelsey Ducheneau. I am a member of the Lakota Sioux Tribe of Cheyenne River, South Dakota. Now, you two have, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, one of the most impressive booths here at NCAI. Thank you. And one of the things that impressed me is not only the layout there, but when I walk by, I mean, you've got like a whole village there. I mean, (laughs) really, I mean, some of these booths are just one person, but you've just got a lot of energy at your booth. Tell us what's going on and what you guys are here doing. Yeah, so... We are here representing the Native Farm Bill Coalition that is working to get tribal leadership involved in understanding the importance of the 2018 Farm Bill. Coming up in National Federal Congress, we will be looking at some really severe changes that could impact Indian country. As all of our communities are concerned, it's the well-being and the health of our people And from our perspective, the health begins with the food that we consume. And Mm. food is the agriculture which we are raising. So the Farm Bill Coalition is working to bring Native youth from across the country, Masawa being one of them, to advocate for the Farm Bill and talk about its importance and how it's going to impact our communities moving forward into the next year of planning and administration. Now, Masawa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you fit into this and where are you uh, for example, in the stream of education and career and things like that? Well, I'm originally from Coach Two Pueblo, which is my tribe, and uh-huh. it's also the city which, is, which I live in. How I fit into this is from four years ago was the first agricultural youth summit in Arkansas that they hosted uh-huh. with um, the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I had been invited by by one of um, a good friend of mine, which is uh, Day Romero. She recommended me to this um, agricultural summit. And before then, you know, my knowledge within agricultural education and within a major broad look of it, um, agriculture was very, very minimal mm-hmm, due mm-hmm. to the fact that what I knew was only traditional farming. Okay. Which was, you know, native crops, stuff like uh-huh. stuff like that, stuff my people did. Right. And that was as far as my knowledge or education went with agriculture. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's just opened so many doors for me mm. being involved with this, um, with IFAI, which is the... Indigenous Food and in- Agriculture Indigenous Initiative. Indigenous Food and Agricultural okay. Initiative, yes. I do forget that one, <laughs> even though I talk about it all the time. Um, it's... That's definitely um, opened a lot of doors. Moss has served as a student at our events, a student leader Mm -hmm. at events, and he's even come to talk about 
what his current career path is and what he is committing in his career to get done for the next generation. You want to tell a little bit about some of the work that you're doing right now, Moss? Yeah, so with careers, I, you know, I've been dipping around in a lot of fields throughout my youth. And, mm-hmm. uh, they tell me I'm still in it, but I feel a lot older than that. <laughs> but How um, old are you, can we ask? Well, today's my 21st birthday, so oh, I'm pretty Today's ex- your birthday? Yeah. Yes, well, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. I'm re- really excited to be here. <laughs> It's um so currently right now um I work in my tribe as the prevention specialist for Pueblo de Cochiti within our prevention program we have in the tribe and we have a logic model which we follow three now because we we came into our new fiscal year in the beginning of October so we implemented two new logic models within our program and we have one originally that we've been working with the prior to the year before we service now our priority is teen binge drinking is what we have it as. Mm-hmm. And um, we service nine year nine to 20-year-olds Okay, is our service range. And, and what we're trying to do is um, stop the ages between 18 and 25. For, for those nine to 20 to not be drinking within that period mm-hmm. or at all while we're servicing them and the years that um, follow after. So that's one of our main priorities right now, and um, our logic models are all based within following that same priority. So we have our cultural participation model, logic model, which um, our strategy, mm-hmm. if you may, um, which is one of my favorites because it implements our our culture into preventing alcohol binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Very good. So this that's one of that's one of my personal favorites. I mean, all of them, of course. Um, we have one called Youth Empowerment. We have a newly newly implemented council, which are social services. They look over, and um, we have partner. We recently partnered with them. They started in May, which is the CYC, Coach D Youth Council, and mm-hmm. they've been doing a lot of work within the community, and we wanted to better help them with their efforts as well as ours. So we implemented them into our program as well. So that's another way we do the TCM. We call it... Um, transformative community messaging mm-hmm. and that way we focus on a more strength-based approach than than whether to be putting out posters like is this what you want to become when you drink or and versus saying a positive way mm-hmm. these are the people that aren't drinking instead of saying these are the people that are so Highlighting showing the, the benefit exactly like masses to his community good, they're very good. proud of him Good. Exactly, yeah, and that's and that's my current career, and uh, uh-huh. of course I've been dipping my feet in many waters, such as um, prevention, agriculture has uh-huh. been another one, and culinary is another little career passion of mine, so wow. I hope to accomplish a lot, but you sound like time. A, you sound like a busy guy for 21. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Kelsey, what is your role in this whole process? Yeah, I get to serve as the youth programs coordinator for the Intertribal Agriculture Council. Mm-hmm. We're a national organization that uh, is going on its 30th year of um, operation, and, and we work to connect tribal producers with resources available to them to improve Indian lands that is owned in Indian hands is kind of our motto. Mm. Uh, my main focus is kind of helping to mentor the next generation of youth leaders. Our current average age of a producer in Indian country is higher than that 
of America, and and that's wow. ballparked at 58 years old. Wow! And so when you think about all of the food that we're we are producing, um, and all of the agricultural production being done across the country, to know that on average it's a 58 year old doing that, at some point there's going to be a large turnover, and who's going to take care of feeding our communities? Wow, that's a sobering um, thought. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We're up to about 500 youth within our network across mm-hmm. the country who are passionate and excited about improving the health of their communities through food and agriculture. Uh, we have some youth that are at home starting community gardens, some that are working on food sovereignty assessments, mm-hmm. many that are working to improve the access of locally produced foods within their school systems. Uh, and the probably the most unique part about my involvement within the industry of agriculture is I get to work with a generation of individuals that isn't focused on their current generation, but they're focused on how can they make this community better for the next generation. Mm. And to see such a young group of individuals, we primarily work with high school, early college age students, 15 to 25, Uh um, to see that generation of youth so dedicated to improving their community so that the next generation doesn't have all of that weighing on their back is really inspirational. Wow, that is tremendous. So now, Moss, did you grow up actually uh, doing a lot of farming? Did I understand that in your comments? Um, being, it's more or less being Native American, or especially where I come from, it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of farming that go on. And um, me, unfortunately, it, and I wasn't able, I didn't have the opportunity, put mm-hmm. it that way, I didn't have the opportunity to be able to farm nobody really um um my family wasn't too big in that and it, mm-hmm. when they were um it was i wasn't usually involved just me i don't i have no clue why but mm-hmm. but um i farmed my first time with my brother-in-law and my brother um god's been a couple of years back and I farmed that one year, and uh-huh. then that next year I decided, and I went up to um, to our natural resource department, and I requested a piece of land, and I was uh, and I was um, gifted, um, or uh-huh. I received land from them for oh, a, about uh, 1.5 acres uh-huh. of land, and I usually grow traditional crops or mainly corn, uh-huh. and I've been trying to find a lot more. A lot more native crops right now so ever since then i've been doing my own little thing and that's somewhere around the time i actually got started with um ifai which uh-huh. is yeah and it's similar to the community garden ag- uh, model correct you have community members that you have involved in that <clears throat> there's been implementation as such um like the one time i could really say something like that actually happened was when our when our CSYLP, which is a Coach D Summer Youth Language Program, um, took the kids to my field, and mm. they sh- they kind of went, of course, went through the language, did their um, curriculum and process through what planting and farming was, because mm-hmm. at that time they went, they were within that area of teaching that farming and planting, okay, and everything that went into it. So everything simple from rake that to pick that up to to pull that weed out, something like uh, that, you know, uh, simple things like that right, for the right. kids to learn. And that's what, that's one of the, one of the main times I can probably remember doing something like that with the community. The community has, um, 
has their own gardens. Many, many people um, also have their own pieces of land. And mostly it's alfalfa, cash mm-hmm. crop. So, mm-hmm. you know, people people um, do a lot of alfalfa farming. And that includes my my um, my family as well. But we focus on traditional as well, too. So we try to mix the two in. Good, good. Yeah. So... In the remaining time we have in this segment, which is not a lot, there's a message that you've been trying to get out here at NCAI. Mm-hmm. There's a message you're trying to communicate to tribes in general and to Native youth. What kind of things would you like a listener to our show, to American Indian Living, to walk away with as far as this particular segment of our program? What we're here to do is to promote the importance of the 2018 Farm Bill and mm-hmm. its establishment and how it's going to impact each of our communities uh, we actually are at our booth promoting spending, usaspending.gov, where you can go and you mm. can search the United States Department of Agriculture's spending within your own community to realize um, that, you know, whether you see it or not, the farm bill impacts everything. It's not just commodities. It's not just livestock. Eighty percent of the farm bill is nutrition assistance that feeds mm-hmm. our communities. And if we're going to start to lose the federal funding that helps to feed those in need within our communities, a lot of that is going to weigh on our need as community members to help to feed our communities. And if we, if our ability to do that is restrained by funding because we missed the ship on advocating for a farm bill which helps Indian country, you know, that's on our backs. And, and so we're here trying to proactively get tribal leadership excited about the farm bill and have an active voice in steering how that's going to shape up. Great. Maswa, any other uh, thoughts from your perspective? As much as I've learned, especially within this conference time, I come to realize how much the farm bill actually affects communities throughout um, Indian country and this country in general, correct? Mm -hmm. And it's... It's something I think uh, needs to be alerted or reinforced, informed throughout the Native communities in New, Mex- in New Mexico, not only in New Mexico, but throughout the country. Tremendous, tremendous. Well, again, that uh, information is accessible, Kelsey, at usaspending.gov? Yes. Wonderful. Hey, thanks for pulling away from your uh, very... Uh, enthusiastic and, and busy booth to join us on American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're going to be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. A lot more to come from Milwaukee's NCAI 2017. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call one 800 775 hope that's 1-800-775-4673 we'll be right back after this this is betty white i know you don't need one more thing to worry about but listen high blood pressure can cause kidney damage blindness heart attack stroke and you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right one in seven adults has it but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical. 
medical unit. Respond to 102 Maple Avenue. Possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose here at the Convention Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're recording at the National Congress of American Indians. It is 2017. And across from me is another great guest. It's Caroline Fisher. Caroline, it's great to have you with us on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Caroline, you are the editor of a magazine that bears a stunning resemblance to the name of this radio show. What is the magazine called? It is called American Indian Living Magazine, as a matter of fact. Okay, so you've got American Indian Living Radio, which you're listening to right now, if you're tuning in, and obviously are, because you can hear my voice. And across from me is the editor of a magazine that bears the very same name as the radio show. So American Indian Living Magazine, what makes that magazine unique in Indian country, Caroline? Well, we are very vested in working with the National Congress of American Indians and the National Indian Health Board on issues that are pertinent to Native country. So we want to provide resources for Native country, for healthy living, and some of those things include emotional and physical and spiritual guidance. So this is tremendous. You've been putting out a magazine for some time, and uh, it's a magazine that gets... uh, quite wide circulation throughout Indian country. It's attractively laid out. I'm looking at a copy right now. We've got one right here at the booth. And uh, you've got a cover. Maybe you could describe uh, for us what's on the cover of the current magazine. We have a beautiful graphic, some canyons and a river, and a Native American woman draped with the flag of the United States of America, looking at the horizon as if she's contemplating her future Hmm. for her country. Wow. So basically, you've got this imagery, I mean, comes from all over Indian country. And I mean, just as the editor of the magazine, I mean, it's one of the obvious questions. When you look at the 
I mean, very attractively laid out. Many of our listeners, if they've seen the magazine, know what I'm talking about. But is it tough to come up with the images? You know, we are very blessed to have a graphic design artist who seems to have the magic touch. She is able to take the content of the magazine and convey it beautifully through her artistry, the graphics that she finds and selects and puts together. I think that she just has an innate sense of knowing what will resonate with our readers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she herself has a Native American interest. Her uncle is an elder. Okay. So basically, we've got this resource, and it's not just something that you as an individual and an editorial board are pulling together. You actually have a very firm connection, like you mentioned, with the National Congress of American Indians. And I know as I page through the magazine and as others page through it, that uh, connection is very, very obvious. And especially in this current issue, tell us a little bit about how integrally involved the uh, National Congress was with this particular issue. Um, we partnered with NCAI and the National Indian Health Board to put this issue together because we wanted to present material to our government about funding for health care mm -hmm. for Native Americans. So this issue actually, well, every issue is sent to every congressman, every tribal leader, among many others um, who receive the magazine. But specifically, we want the U.S. government to know what matters to Native Americans and their health care. So some of our topics in this issue were Medicaid funding, mm -hmm. the opioid crisis, wow. also the future of health care, and public health in Indian country. So those were some of the segments that NCAI and NAHB uh, specifically contributed for this special issue. So we were happy to partner with them. Now, Caroline, I heard an interesting story right here at NCAI. I was in a meeting earlier today, and in that meeting, someone was actually talking about this particular issue of uh, American Indian Living magazine. They said that an earlier edition of this, before it even came out in print, it was posted online, and somehow a congressman's staffer read the magazine, got very excited about it, and this uh, Native person who was sharing the story felt like it had actually pushed forward some Native agenda, at least opening some doors uh, for Native leaders to speak with some congressmen before things actually would have come to their attention. So what I'm hearing kind of at a ground level is that this magazine is making an impact. Is that a unique story, or do you hear about a lot of people being impacted by the magazine? We have been very fortunate to have content from experts in their field. And so it is not that surprising that people read the material and take action. Generally, the content is geared for our readers to take their own steps in their own lives, to enhance their own health care and well-being and, you know, their family lives, their own health. But this particular issue, of course, was impacting the entire native country. So the issues focused a lot on spending and budgets. And so when somebody saw that and pushed it to the forefront, yes, I think it speaks tremendously of a partnership that we have with NCAI, with the National Indian Health Board, and our own contacts within various congressmen and 
and other people who are decision makers. So we're very thankful for this partnership because it has been a very successful ending to that story. Right now, you're the editor-in-chief. Is that your official title? That is my official title. And before that, you actually had been involved with the magazine on the editorial board, but in a little bit different capacity, right? Yes, I was the copy editor for a couple of years, and the next issue will be my fourth issue as editor. Okay. Now, you reside in Oklahoma, so issues in Indian country are not a strange thing to you. No, I come from a state that is well-saturated with Native culture, and being here at NCAI has been great because now I'm learning about other tribal cultures that are not in Oklahoma, although I do believe we have around 47 tribes represented. In fact, I live in Creek County. Okay, okay. So the county actually bears the name of one of the tribal nations. Yes, it does. Right in your state there. So from your perspective as an editor, how has the magazine impacted you personally? Well, let me tell you about some of our goals, and then I'll share with you how those also relate to my own life. Wonderful. So some of our goals in the magazine are to improve the health of our readers, and the core of many of our topics come from a program called Creation Health, and Mm. Creation is an acronym. Okay. And it stands for Choice, Rest, Environment, Activity, Trust, interpersonal relationships, outlook, and nutrition. And so in the magazine, we usually highlight one of these core topics. Mm -hmm. And these are not just relative to a Native audience. They are relative to anyone because we all want better health, better relationships with our family. Right. And so all of these topics are, are relevant to any of us. So I have a personal interest, and our readers are benefiting from these also. Another goal is to provide resources for mental health issues. We have done issues on suicide prevention. Wow. And um, also other serious health topics like diabetes. Mm -hmm. And we also, uh, I would not say this is our least goal, but uh, another goal is to inspire emotional well-being. This is often done through nature and also recognizing our creator and mm-hmm. what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And those are those are goals for the magazine, but I think they resonate with most of our readers because we all long for peace in our families and in our own homes and in our workplace. For sure. So for you can sure. apply the principles in here pretty much wherever you are. No, that's tremendous. And what I enjoy about uh, the day in which we live is that people are not limited to physical copies of the magazine. You actually have a website where, uh, is it correct that anybody can go on that website and can access any of the magazines free of charge? Yes, anyone can go to AmericanIndianLiving.org and access our current and back issues. And they can also get a link to your show, American <laughs> Indian Living Radio. Okay. So AmericanIndianLiving.org. O-R-G. Yes. And that will take them to archives. What would they find there? You mentioned suicide prevention. You mentioned diabetes. What other topics have you featured where someone might say, hey, I just listened to Caroline Fisher, the editor of American Indian Living Magazine. I want to check that out. What other topics might they find there? Okay. Well, we had an issue on activity, the law of life, where we talked about healthy communities and vibrant nations. Mm -hmm. So how keeping moving and exercising helps the 
health outlook for everyone in the community. Uh, we also had a great article in that issue by a native elder called I'd Rather Wear Out Than Rust Out. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so he talked about his own personal experiences uh-huh. uh, in that realm. Um, some other topics? Yes, suicide prevention to save a life. Very good. Gardening, gardening. container gardening, excellent. and uh, even vegetable gardening, just getting back in touch with nature. Wow. Caroline, believe it or not, our time has slipped away from us. I really appreciate what you're doing with the magazine American Indian Living. Uh, We're so grateful that you were able to pull away from your busy responsibilities here at NCAI and join us on the show. And one more time, if someone either wants to get information about the magazine or if they want to read some of the past issues, what is that website that they would go to? It is www.americanindianliving.com. www.americanindianliving.org. Thank you so much. we got to run. We'll be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Stay tuned. We've got more coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a show from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians. We're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're recording this show in the fall of 2017. And Mm -hmm. again, in this segment of the show, I've got another uh, individual who's making a big difference in Indian country. She is Catherine Mills. She's the vice president of an organization called Creating Stronger Nations and DCI America. Catherine, it's great to have you with us on the show. Thank you for having me. Catherine, I know it's a busy place here in the exhibit hall. You were so gracious to come away from your booth and join us here on the radio show. But for many folks, just hearing about your organization, Creating Stronger Nations, they're already excited. What message do you give to someone who's never heard about you and the work that you do? Well, I can explain what we do. We provide technical assistance, working on governing documents like constitutions, ordinances, policies and procedures, and assist in rewriting these or writing them from the ground up. Um, We listen to what the tribes have to say, what they're interested in, and come up with something that is exactly meeting their needs. Well, this is fantastic. So this is really helping people in kind of the... The, the brass tacks, if you will, of governance, uh, giving them, you know, tools to help them and in, in actually writing legislation even. Is that true at, at a tribal level? Yes. So what is the connection between creating stronger nations and DCI America? DCI America is our training segment of the business. We provide uh, workshops and conferences Uh, as public sessions, but we also provide them on site where we come to the reservation and tailor them to fit the needs of the specific tribe, whether that requires working with their governing documents. um, We can do that. If they want the subjects to be very specific and not on a specific agenda that we have, we can develop an entirely new agenda for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically, you can actually do the work, if you will, or you can train tribal members to do those functions at a, at a tribal level. Is that fair to say? I mean, as far as what uh, you have expertise, right? Yes. And of course, tribes have expertise. But often when we're working in some of these very technical realms, especially if a tribe is branching maybe into a new area where they're having to, I'm just imagining maybe working with a new federal agency or something, they may need someone with the expertise to use the right kind of language and things as far as crafting documents. Am I understanding that? Yeah, yeah. And as far as our training sessions go, two of our big areas are board and council training okay. and tribal enrollment issues. Oh, okay. Okay, so those specifically. And tribes have elected officials, mm-hmm. and we can come in and train the entire board mm-hmm. on what their roles and responsibilities are within the tribe, functioning as tribal council or board members. So how long has... Creating Stronger Nations been in operation? It's been, well, the entire business has been in operation since 1990. And I would say Creating Stronger Nations really started taking off 
probably 10 years ago. Okay. So, I mean, you've and that's got... the more technical side. Okay. So you've got a lot of experience in the area. It's not like you guys are, are no. learning as you're going, so to speak. No. Give us some examples, I mean, without mentioning any names, of course, of success stories, things that, uh, that you've been satisfied to see in your collaboration with tribes. Well, specifically here at NCAI, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to people that have attended our conferences in the mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. and made really good comments, like, that was the best conference I've ever been to. Wow, you actually um, heard that more I than heard once? heard that, yes. Wow, that is exciting. Yeah, so that is exciting. It's good feedback. <laughs> so, of course, there's continual turnover in tribal leadership, just like there is in any right. other organization. I know sometimes organizations, whether it's a tribally owned entity, whether it's a tribe, whether it's in an NGO, whatever the situation might be, a lot of times people feel that internally they can do their own training of board members or council members or whatever the situation might be. But it would seem to me that there's a sense of objectivity that would come with having someone like yourself or your team come in and do the training. Do you get that kind of feedback, that it's more objective? Yeah, I think it is um, presented that way. We don't have an agenda as far as the tribe goes and who's in charge. It's it's not looked at like that. It's presented in a very fair, meaningful way. And, again, we use their governing documents. If Let's say they run their meetings using parliamentary procedures. Mm-hmm. We will teach that and include that in the training. Very good, very good. So you're based in what part of the country? Hanover, New Hampshire. Okay, so New Hampshire is some distance from many tribes, but that's not an obstacle. Today, with modern transportation, you're probably flying all over the country. Is that safe to say? That is very safe to say, and we do go everywhere. (laughs) We've been to many tribes all over the country over the years, mm-hmm. and also First Nations in Canada. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. some of our Canadian listeners, you provide those services to Aboriginal peoples there north yes. of the border. Mm-hmm. How about some of the tribal corporations in Alaska? Is that a whole different structure, or is that something that you're comfortable working with as well? It is um, different, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, we do. Uh, we're working currently with uh, an Indian village up there in Ketchikan, uh, working on their governing documents. Okay. And uh, we have got plenty of experience working in Alaska. Very good. A lot of tribal leaders listen to the show, and they might be hearing our dialogue. They might say, this is all interesting. But, of course, we have all our tribal documents. I mean, we, This sounds like uh, something that that we wouldn't need at this point in our history. Are there some common areas that are often overlooked where really having someone else look over those documents, working with a tribe, could actually improve some things, either as far as a governance level or as far as working with uh, treaty uh, uh, situations with the U.S. government? Do you see what I'm asking? Mm -hmm. It is possible. But basically, our role is not to tell a tribe what they need. Right. They come to us with their needs, and we make the suggestions on how to go about making those changes and Mm -hmm. then write the governing documents. And then they are submitted for approval, and we do rewrites as necessary. So they're really reaching out to us. Okay. Um, We can 
certainly go in there and do an analysis for them if they're questioning certain things mm -hmm. or if there's some debate over interpretation. If it's unclear, we can certainly work with the tribes to do that. So, Catherine, give me a scenario, even if you want, right from here at NCAI. Have any tribal leaders come to you and say, you know, here's a situation that we're dealing with. Can you help us? Absolutely. So what would it look like? What kind of specific issues might they be talking about? Let's say they're looking at their constitution. Uh, it may be something that's been in place for many, many mm -hmm. years and may have been a boilerplate that they were handed okay. by the federal government. And they're looking at making changes to that, making changes to their tribal enrollment uh -huh. ordinances and, and that kind of thing. It's... Um, Important, I think, to keep up to date on these things. They're, they're kind of antiquated sometimes. Okay, um, okay. And that's where a lot of the changes are coming from. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about tribal enrollment. You know, there's always questions. You know, sometimes uh, I'll hear discussions between people from different tribes, you know, talking about blood quantum and other issues like that. What does the federal government have to say about tribal enrollment and how does that interface with the tribes? Well, originally the federal government established blood quantum mm -hmm. for the tribes and it wasn't necessarily a traditional way to uh, establish membership into a tribe and now tribes have the freedom to make changes to their enrollment or membership. They don't have to stick with that. Okay. Um, but that's not to say some tribes want to change it. Mm -hmm. um, but we do provide projections analysis where we work with the tribe and looking at their current membership and projecting into the future if they keep their blood quantum at what rate it's at mm -hmm. now, where it will be in, say, 10 years, 25 years, mm -hmm. 50 years. Mm -hmm. And that information can be used for them to decide how they want to change it or if they want to keep it the same. Mm -hmm. That seems like a very important dialogue because you could either be talking about a, a shrinking tribal enrollment or one that's growing or staying stable, right? Right. Do you find that tribes typically that approach you have some type of vision coming into the dialogue as to whether they want their tribal enrollment staying about the same or growing or, or getting smaller? Does that typically come up? Yes, I think there's usually, and the reason why they probably bring us in is because there's a debate. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are thinking one way, another group mm -hmm. is thinking mm -hmm. another way. And so we try to present the information as information, not necessarily opinion, but the facts. Right, right. And, and where they will lead to. Great. I mean, this is all very helpful to know about. I'll be honest with you, until this year at NCAI, I had never heard of Creating Stronger Nations or DCI America. And I mean, it's probably just because, you know, you're dealing with issues that I typically personally don't get directly involved with. Are you finding that many of the attendees, like you said, some know you, they've been to your training, but are there others that say, I've never heard of you, or you've been out there so long that most people do know you? I think most people do know who we are. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, there are... People that are newer into working with their tribal government that have not heard of us. Um, but we're pretty well established. I think we're, we've got a 
pretty good name out there. Excellent. Someone has been listening to our interview, Catherine, and they want to learn more about Creating Stronger Nations and or DCI America. How does someone get a hold of you or, and your organization? Well, we can be reached by phone at 800-888-1027. You can check our website out at www.csninc.net. And you can email me at k-m-i-l-l-s at c-s-n-i-n-c. Okay, let me see if I've got this down, because you gave you were kind enough to give me some of this information in advance. So I've got the email, kmills at c-s-n-i-n-c. So that's Creating Stronger Nations, Inc., c-s-n-i-n-c dot net. Then the 800 number, that flew by me kind of quick. What was that? 800-888-1027. Okay, so 800-888-1027. And then the website, it's simply that CSN, the initials of Creating Stronger Nations, INC dot net, correct? Catherine, listen, it's been great to have you with us on the show. I know there's a lot going on here at NCAI. I appreciate you slipping away and joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We have to step away, but we will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. One final segment in today's show. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're here at the convention center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Across from me is Jim Landelius. If you're a regular listener to American Indian Living, Jim is no stranger to you. He's uh, often at venues where I am interviewing people, and I'm so glad that Jim was able to pull away for just a few minutes to join us. Jim, it's always great to see you. Always good to see you, sir. Jim, I know a lot of folks, when they hear your name, they've got a lot of associations because you've got your hand in many things in Indian country. I know you're one of the people that's been championing the Creation Health Program. You're involved with American Indian Living Magazine. But I think you're also well-known because of the key role that you play in Native uh, youth camps. Uh, is that the term that you usually use for these events, or is there something more descriptive? Native camp or uh, Native health and heritage camp is another uh, phrase we use. So for those who've not heard you speak about these camps, just give us a, a quick overview of what they are, and then we'll talk about some of the new developments. Okay. It's held each year at Wilco Woods Adventist Center in Wilco, Oklahoma. We're in Seminole Country, right there, right in the heart. We have young people from 7 to 17 who come for a week of camp. In addition to the traditional you know, camp activities, uh, skiing, horses, gymnastics, crafts, these sort of things, we also have two uh, additional components. We have a health component. We educate uh, about diabetes, how to prevent diabetes, the role that exercise plays. And then we also have a heritage component. We work with the Seminole tribe, and we have native storytellers come. Uh, the assistant chief, the current assistant chief, uh, Ernie Johnson, uh, comes from time to time and plays flute. So we try to have a, a cultural influence to tie them back uh, to their heritage. And we have a, a great time. I mean, it has always sounded like such a great camp, and I know you've shared with us before the huge impact that the camp has on the kids that go through the program. But I was especially excited, as you and I were speaking, to hear about one of the uh, more recent developments, and that is uh, something you're working on to not uh, say this is just uh, one week in the midst of the summer, but you're looking at ways to continue the influence both on culture and on health Throughout the year, tell us a little bit about what you and, and others are looking at there in Oklahoma. In the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we have a program called Pathfinders. It's for young people ages 10 to 15. We also have a program for that's called Adventurers for children ages 6, 7 to age 10. So we cover basically the same age group that we cover in Native Camp. And it's similar in scope to, say, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, um, there is a, a, a spiritual component, just as there is at our, our native camp. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I'm wanting to do is to take the, the, you know, the camp experience, which the kids absolutely love, and give them a chance to continue that throughout the entire year. We could uh, do more things. We have a week to try and get concepts and to teach something. And so at times it's kind of like a fire hose at a teacup. Mm-hmm. You know, that teacup can only take so much at right, a time. Right. And so, but if we could spread that out over the entire year, then we could get a lot more information, have a lot more fun, do a lot more things, and, you know, still do some of the fun activities as well, the horses, the archery, the the swimming, those sort of things. Now, I've been to Awoka Woods. I mean, this is a serious camp. I mean, you've got uh, water there that you can do water activities. Like you said, you've got the horses uh, there, um, trails, other things. So there's a, just a variety of things that kids can do there that are, are fun activities, right? Oh, exactly. And one of the nice things, which it's a limited part of the year, but uh, we we basically have a brand new pool. They have mm. totally remade it. Really? And uh, yeah, there were some. We were having some issues with it, and they said, you know, we're going to fix it and fix it right. And so, before you had to use those uh, those step ladders to get into the water on, uh-huh. on the four uh-huh. you know, the four ends. Now the one end it has steps leading down okay. with a nice handrail, so it's easy in and out of the water. Even if we were to have some some young people who were Perhaps uh, otherwise abled in wheelchairs, which one of the we have a a place ready to put people in wheelchairs. Oh, really? Put them in with a lift. Yes. Uh So we're making improvements constantly, trying to make the camp even better for those for those who are coming. Boy, that's great! So you've got this vision of making an impact on the youth. I just have to make this connection because we had Caroline Fisher on this uh, edition of American Indian Living earlier. I know that as you're looking at sharing throughout Indian country things that make a difference on the health of young people, we all know that if we're not speaking to the adults, to the elders, we're really not impacting even our young people as powerfully as we could be otherwise. So you folks have been putting out the American Indian Living magazine as well, and I know you're very involved with that, Jim. For those who don't know about your connection with that resource, just how does that work? With American Indian Living magazine, I'm uh, kind of the circulation manager. Anyone that wants you know, subscriptions, different tribal members, uh, offices, individuals, they make the request through me, and I make sure they get uh, their name on the list so we can... When we send them out, they can get a copy. Uh, I'm listed as a senior editor. Uh, there are occasions that things, you know, come to me and I take a look at. I'm kind of on the lower end of involvement. Okay. Uh, certainly Caroline is, you know, as the editor is the most involved. I just help out, you know, where needed. The vast majority of us are employed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and that's by design, mm. so that the maximum amount of funding that we have for the magazine goes into the production you know, the printing cost and the mailing cost of the magazine rather than the overhead of salaries and benefits and those sort of things. So you're employed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You're actually a pastor. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, yes. So the magazine isn't having to shell out a bunch of money for your editorial services. I receive no additional remuneration for... I'm the director of Native Ministries for the Oklahoma Conference. Um, That's part of my job assignment. Anything I do... You know, outside of the conference, anything I do with the magazine or anything else, it's all covered. There's no, well, if you'll do this, then you get so much extra. No. I have a base salary, and, uh, you know, I, I live well. I'm not getting rich, certainly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I eat three meals a day. I have a roof over my head, and everything's great. And I have the best job in the world. 
So okay, tremendous. So basically, what I'm what I'm hearing is when someone wonders about how a tribe can get a bunch of these magazines at a very low cost. I mean, make sure I'm still on the same page with this. If uh, let's say a tribal health director has been here to NCAI, you've got a nice display right next to my booth. You've got all kinds of uh, copies, free copies, I presume, of American mm-hmm. uh, Indian Living magazine. If someone says, listen, I could use 50 of these in our tribal health center, how difficult is it for them to get those? Well, there's some things that has to happen. Number one, they have to let me know. Okay, fair enough. They have to give me their name. They have to give me their address, the amount, and that's it. So really, so you don't charge them anything? No. Okay. No. You know, we got to give your contact information out, Jim, because I know there's a lot of people who want to take advantage of some of the resources you have. They want to learn about how you're running the native camps. They're going to be interested in whether this uh, kind of longitudinal component, you know, I'm speaking from kind of medical research background, but having this component where kids don't just have a camp experience but have something ongoing through the year. There's people who are going to want to know about how that's working out. How does someone get a hold of you? Several ways. There's email. Uh, my my cell phone. Also, if you go to AmericanIndianLiving.org, okay. where we have all of our past issues and the current issue of the magazine online that you can look at, if you send an email there and say you want information about Native Camp, that's going to come to me. If it's about circulation and getting copies of the magazine, that comes to me. Mm-hmm. If it's about content or something else, then it goes to the appropriate person that deals with it. But anything native camp, anything circulation, all you have to do is go on to the to the website and contact us, and that will get to me. Okay, so American Indian Living, that's the name of the radio show. Mm-hmm. Also the name of the magazine. Right. Just stick the letters dot .org at the end. And we'll take care of it. And you can go there to the, the contact us link and get a hold of Jim Landelius. Jim, our time is rapidly slipping away. Before we step away, just in a nutshell, if someone's listening today, they haven't heard about creation health, why is that such an important part of what you're doing with tribes? Because it's holistic. It's not just the health component, which is important. It's the entire thing. You can have great numbers, but if mentally things aren't going well, then you're not well. So it's the entire person, the entire native concept. So basically, you're helping tribes run programs that actually minister, if you will, or or try to take care of the whole person, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Correct. It's from Florida Hospital, which is Walt Disney's hospital. Out of all the hospitals in Florida, they chose Florida Hospital to be their hospital. It's science-based. It does have a spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a product of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but it is not... It's not a church thing. It's very much a health thing, using current research. Jim, you're doing great stuff. If you want to get more from Jim Landelius, you can track Jim down at the website, AmericanIndianLiving.org. Listen, our time has rapidly slipped away, as always. But hopefully today, the variety of guests have helped you to sense there are so many ways that you can improve your health and that of your tribes. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.